Hi, I'm Oakley Jennings Fast. And I'm Sarah Fuentes. Welcome to What the Hell Do I Do With This? This is the podcast about circular economy, the life cycle of stuff, and where you fit into it. How was your Earth Day? This episode will be published far after Earth Day. But let's talk about it anyway. How was your Earth Day? My Earth Day was amazing. Earth Day is one of my favorite days. We were doing outreach, and I think it's really important to do outreach and education for commercial businesses. This is one of the most important aspects of zero waste or circular economy is education and outreach. And I would much rather spend my Earth Day educating people on what the heck is this and what the heck do I do with this? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that a lot of companies completely ignore the waste that they produce and they completely ignore the impact that they have on the environment. So it's really cool when a company will take ownership of that and educate their employees on what they can do with, you were doing an electronic waste day, right? Correct. And and I'll leave the customer name unknown for now. Arbor Day and Earth Day was a celebration that they put together. And uh, we had these little booths and different vendors and our company helped this company get ISO certified. We were testing all of the people if they know where the recycling station is and the recycling station where the employees can bring their universal waste and electronic waste from home because this company has a sense of corporate responsibility. And that's the most amazing thing is that when a company implements great practices like this and it says, hey, we understand that maybe your home may not have a program or you may not know about the program, but you can always have this opportunity to recycle your old batteries or lithium ion batteries or mercury batteries or incandescent light bulbs or your old monitor and we can bring it from home and you have a safe place to bring it here at work. I love that so much. Like I was saying, you know, it's one thing when a company dedicates themselves to being better to the planet. And then it's a whole other thing when they say, we're not only going to value the environment, but we're going to teach our employees also to value the environment. And when it seeps down into the culture of a company, then you know you've done a really good job. I agree. That's one of the reasons why companies hire us is to evaluate the culture, to observe the culture, and then figure out best practices, how to change the culture and not necessarily change it in a bad way, but change it towards these goals of corporate responsibility and ESG. So, I mean, for me, it's super exciting. Everybody, I mean, everybody knows me as the trash lady or the. <laughs> <laughs> That's a blessing when we hear that. Like most people would be offended. No, no. We're like blessed when we hear that. We are like, I get so happy. I'm like, oh, you remember? <laughs> then they're like, I can put this in the dry, right? I, it's okay, right? Yeah, right. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's so cool. That's awesome. So today on our episode, we are going to talk about I think it's a mystery to a lot of people when you put something in the recycle bin, what happens to it? So today we are going to talk about exactly the technology that sorts that recycling when it gets to the facility. And that machine that sorts it is called, drumroll please, the MRF, M-R-F. And I always joke that this sounds like a dude's name, MRF. 
And there's also, there are two, there's a clean Murph and a dirty Murph. So don't get me started. <laughs> but today I'm going to pick Sarah's brain about a Murph because I am new to this industry. I don't know very much about it. So I'm going to ask you questions as somebody who doesn't know that much. And I think that I represent the audience level of knowledge here, not to not to assume, but I'm going to ask as if I don't know anything, because I think a lot of people don't know that much. So first of all, what does MRF stand for? So MRF is a material recovery facility, and it's typically used when municipalities want to recover recyclables. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And where are these MRFs located? Is there one in every city or are there huge ones in every state? That's a really good question. Typically, recycling companies own the MRF. They build them and they can be placed pretty much anywhere. Um, depending on the city, you can have more than one MRF in one city. Some cities, it's owned by the, either the municipality or a private company. And in every city, there's governance and, and permits that are required. So you have to make sure that you uh, have permission to have a MRF. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. A MRF permission, huh? Mm-hmm. So I guess people could Google that to see where their closest MRF is. Can you tell me how it works? And first of all, I guess... How does it work? And also, are there different MRFs for different materials? Like, is there an electronics recycling MRF or like a glass recycling MRF? Just give me the overview. How do these things work? So we have a dirty MRF and a, and a clean MRF in, in the city of San Jose. So the dirty MRF has a lot more trash in it and what we would say contaminants. And so what they're doing in that MRF is pulling the residual recycling out the easy, you know, bigger items to pull, any residuals that they can pull out of that waste stream. Typically, it's because it's a wet waste stream. And we know that majority of it is compostable or landfill items. So they're trying to pull as many recyclable residuals out of that particular waste stream. Okay. The clean MRF, so to speak, is when it's solely for recyclables, and they're trying to pull any contaminants out of the MRF. Okay, so basically a dirty MRF plans for there to be material that they don't want in there. Examples that you listed would be like a banana peel in with the plastic recycling. And so a dirty MRF would be able to process something like that or would be able to remove that kind of thing? Yes, and in a dirty MRF, they want to pull the recycling residuals. What is a residual? So, for example, if they put recycling like a like a big laundry detergent bottle in the wrong bin, in the compost bin, then that means that they're going to, at the Dirty Murph, they're going to pull the recycling residual, which would be this laundry plastic bin, out of that. So the compost can continue on down the line to get recycled or processed. I see, I see. And so with... A clean MRF, maybe I'm just assuming this, but with a clean MRF, it sounds like more loads would have to be landfilled because they don't have the ability to process out those contaminants. So if they find a, you know, a laundry detergent thing in the compost, do they have to throw that away? Or what, what is a clean MRF's options for contaminants? That's interesting that you say that because I've been to two MRFs or several MRFs, I should say, but one MRF in Contra Costa County 
this Murph is a never-ending Murph. So if something drops off the line that didn't get captured, it goes back in the pile and it gets sorted through again. Wow. That sounds like how I work. Just no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it sounds like my brain. The goal is is to eliminate any landfill items. And I would say that the Murph that, that I toured this last week, which was a construction and demolition Murph, 85 to you know 70%, depending on the day, but typically close to 75% of that material is being recycled um, and recovered and repurposed and reused. The stuff that is not able to be recycled is unfortunately landfilled. So that same principle applies to clean MRFs. And it really starts with the generator, right? So it really starts with the person or the company that's collecting the material and that's putting it inside the container. And then when when it comes to us at the MRF, we're able to kind of like, oh, we have cleaner material. It's going to go down this line. Okay. But typically the trucks are separated and they're sent down to the line based on their route. It's just, they know that they're picking up wet materials going to go down the dirty MRF. They know that they're picking up dry materials going to go down to the clean MRF. Oh, okay. So a few questions for you here. As you mentioned, there are different MRFs depending on the material. So there's a construction and demolition MRF and there's a compost MRF and a recycling MRF. And I don't think a lot of people knew, first of all, that construction materials can be recycled, which is, it's huge. I mean, construction and demolition is a huge waste generator. So that's a good thing to note for the audience to know. But also, so there's a different MRF per material. Yes. Well, let's think about this. So you have the driver, a garbage truck, and they come and they offload it on the floor. Then it goes up a conveyor belt, right? And this conveyor belt may start at an air sorter. And the air sorter can either sort the light items from the heavy items. Typically, it's paper where the lighter pieces of paper are flown up and the heavier pieces of paper are dropped down. Then it goes into this heavy metal system where, you know, the magnets are there to pull the the metals out of the waste stream and recover that. And then in some cases, they may have like these screens where these other residues can fall through. And usually it's like heavier items like glass that can fall through and it goes down another part of the conveyor belt. It's like this ultimate cool mousetrap. <laughs> <laughs> I used to play I don't know that if you game. remember that game, yeah, mousetrap. That, that is such a great analogy to think about. So they use different technologies to separate the different materials. The two coolest technologies is the eddy current and the optic eye sorter. Whoa, say that again. Eddy current and... An optic eye sorter. Whoa, that is that is my, like, warrior princess name. <laughs> <laughs> I love really it. really cool. Okay. Um, the eddy current is what I was saying about the metals, right? And it's the magnetic technology that the MRFs use to pull down or push the metals for collection. And then the optic eye sorter... You can program it to identify what color plastics you want. Wow. And how to blow it. (laughs) (laughs) And how to blow it into the bin. I used to think, oh, can we test black? Can we test orange? Can we test clear? And you can program the optic eye sorter to pick what kind of plastics that you want. That's that's amazing. In our episode about takeout food, I asked you about plastic utensils and why those couldn't be recycled. 
And the answer you gave me blew my mind. It was that they come in all different colors and not necessarily, well, there's a couple of reasons, but one is that they come in all different colors. So the optic eye might not be looking for that color, but also they're too small. Small. It's mm-hmm. too small. So let me tell you a story. I went to the eye doctor and I use contacts and I was like, you know, I, I don't like throwing away these contact cases, all not cases, but the thing that the contact comes in all the time. And they said, oh, well, they're recyclable. And I decided not to say anything, but I don't think they're recyclable because they're too small, right? Yeah, that's the fallacy. That's the fallacy around these single use items is that Yes, maybe it is recyclable. You're right. Maybe it is the right composition of plastic that the recycler may be looking for. But if it's not big enough to get through the MRF, it's going to end up in the residual line at the back at the bottom and end up tossed to the landfill. I mean, it's really unfortunate that this happens, even though it could be a viable piece of plastic that we could potentially process or recover. But this is what's happening. So what can individuals do to make the job of the MRF easier or to make the people who are working at the MRF's job easier? What can individuals do? Well, we talk about this all the time, which is the bad word, which is avoid contamination. Contamination. It's like, it's like condemnation. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, what happens is, is that if we put a, let's just say somebody decided to throw a rubber hose in the recycling bin thinking, oh, it's rubber. Oh, it could get recycled. When you throw this in the recycling bin and then it jams the whole entire processing, then they have to stop the line and pull out this 50 foot hose that somebody decided to throw. So really being like, okay, let's, if it's recyclable and it says plastic bottles, metal, paper only, please only put those things in there. Exactly. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you another story. I was at the airport recently headed to come visit you, Sarah. And I saw a newspaper only recycle bin. Okay. And I had a piece of paper, not newspaper to recycle. And you know what I did? I didn't put it in that bin because it said newspaper only. And I trusted that they knew what they were talking about. (laughs) And I waited until I found a paper recycling bin. So I think that we can do these, these same things, right? We always have to pay attention to what they actually accept. I would have taken it to the next level too, Oakley. And you probably, you've seen me do this where (laughs) I look in the bin and then I stick my hand in the bin. (laughs) Sarah, Sarah has cursed me. Now I look in bins also. Yeah. (laughs) Now I'll like look in recycling containers and stuff. (laughs) It's it's a blessing. It is. I, I I'm happy. I'm happy to be cursed. <laughs> you know, I wish I wish I could just get it right. The people in my own house to get it right. Let's let's just start there, okay? <laughs> well, you know what we were talking about recently is it's the same problems everywhere. So some recurring problems with recycling bins is people put those flimsy plastic bags into recycle bins. They put paper towels into recycling bins. There are very common problems, right? And then there's sometimes where people throw that hose in there, or I've even seen an umbrella. So let's talk about this topic that we've covered before, which is wish cycling, which is like, we wish and we hope that this can be recycled. And maybe in my mind, it would make sense that this thing can be recycled. 
but because of the limitations of the Murph that your stream is going to, it instead slows down that process, right? Yes. I think we've all heard of those like flimsy plastic bags, those one use grocery bags being jammed into the machine. Yeah, the bag splitter. Yeah, the bag. Okay, so tell us about the bag splitter. So, as I mentioned, when the material comes up a conveyor belt, there's a bag splitter because most people put material in bags for collection. And that bag splitter is there to split the bag so it can continue up the line or down the line in the MRF. And if you have so many bags that get caught, it's like a blade. It could jam the blade and stop the whole entire process. Thousands and thousands of tons of material, you know, could be slowed down and processing could be slowed down because of all these bags. Okay, so my in my mind, in my consumer mind, I'm thinking, okay, if it's already splitting a bag, why is it a problem that there's smaller plastic bags inside of it? Is it because the bag splitter only splits the big bags? Yeah, so if you have bags and bags and bags, typically they can get potentially pulled if it's in a clear bag, right? Like if you could see inside the bag. I really hate black bags and my uncle continues to buy black bags for my bins here knowing that I hate them. Oh, like, no. oh that's probably why he's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, the, ba- the plastic bags is also a market issue, meaning that some plastic recyclers do not have the infrastructure to recycle that type of plastic. It typically could end up in the landfill just because the recycling company that wherever your material is being sorted out at may not have a downstream buyer for that particular commodity. You know, we go back to this concept again that, yeah, recycling is an industry and we have to have buyers to buy this material after it's been source separated through the MRF process. And to reiterate also on the wet MRF is mainly for organic materials, okay? It's mainly for that anaerobic process. And so we want to pull any potential contaminants that impede the anaerobic process. We don't want metals going in there. We don't want plastics going in there. We don't want certain materials going through this anaerobic process because if we think about it, if we are processing plastic and metals with our organic material that is now being turned into mulch or soil for our gardens or landscape companies, well, then what are we going to be planting our food in? And what are we going to be planting our... In that plastic detergent bottle. (laughs) You know? (laughs) That makes a lot of sense, especially with compost. And, you know, what I also didn't realize until just now is that compost also goes through that MRF process because we have to remove contaminants. It's not like the compost truck just drives up and dumps it into a pile of dirt. It's processed. And it's processed because we don't know how to put only things that are compostable in the compostable bin. Is that right? (laughs) It, It, you know, the thing about recycling is, and people often say, this is not rocket science. This is not rocket science. I'm not asking you to build a, a rocket that's going to go to inner, you know, the the inner spaces, to you know, to, to Mars. Mars. But we still have this problem with people that will still continue to ignore a sign that will ignore that there's a recycling bin right next to the landfill bin 
and still put the wrong material in the wrong places. You're absolutely right. And people ask or say all the time, like, well, I feel like the environmental issue is too big. There's nothing I can do about it. One thing that we can do is put the right thing in the right bin, right? It's like something that we do every day. And it is something that, yeah, it's something that we have power over. Let me give you the big picture here, okay? When you put the material in the right bin and you do it the right way, you are creating better economics in your direct area. So then you're creating opportunities for jobs for your local community. Then you're creating opportunities for these local buyers or, or people that are looking for these materials because people, individuals like yourself or like me, did the right thing by putting it in the right container. What happens is, is that when you don't do that, we're not that buyer is not able to buy that clean material. So then they're not able to take their son to baseball because they couldn't afford it. So let's really think about this. This is because we're talking about small businesses too. that local small recyclers. Not every city has a big recycler in it. Some cities have small recycling companies that are ran by mom and pop shops that are ran by family owned operated businesses. And when these local companies are not doing it, are these local individuals are not doing it right, you're basically saying to this company, hey, we don't want to support you, but we expect you to pick through our trash. Well, I mean, let's take it to the next level now. That's how Americans were thinking prior to 2018. And then all of a sudden, China said, heck no, we're not taking your crap no more because all you do is contaminate our material that we really want source separated material, paper only, plastic only, but you guys can't seem to get it right. Right. Enough people did it so wrong that an entire country said, nope, <laughs> we're not taking it anymore. And the idea, sorry, but the idea that it's someone else's responsibility to pick up after you just because you pay them is really a poor thought process. Yes, we do pay for garbage service in our country because that's the infrastructure, at least here in California. But other states, they may not have that infrastructure. So what happens is that they burn it or they throw it on the side of the road. Like I said, we have so many local recyclers. Even like you see these little haulers, these guys that are willing to pick up stuff for you and self-haul that material to these MRFs. You're giving that guy a job and you're feeding that guy's family. There are many reasons to recycle properly. And by properly, we mean putting only things that can be recycled in your area in the bin. And those reasons are, if not just for the environment, then also for the economy and for the people that work at that MRF. So there are, there are many, many reasons to do it right. If we have any listeners that have any questions for us, of course, you can always go to our Facebook community, WTH Do I Do With This Community, and let us know what your questions are. And of course, we always direct you to your local recycling pickup and compost pickup to find out what they accept there, because it'll be different everywhere. I do want to say, hopefully by 2022, we are able to have a MRF tour to the public. I know right now these tours are only private and they're very small. We had the privilege of having the first tour of a MRF locally here in San Jose, and it was really exciting. And so I would love to inspire our audience to go to your local MRFs if it's open right now, uh, find out, see when the, their schedules are. And it will definitely give you the visual that we're trying to give you today. 
And then maybe in 2022, we can have a field trip and we can all go. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be so cool. We'll have a podcast field trip for our listeners. That would be so awesome. I'd love that. So yeah, go see it in person if you, if and when you can. And if you cannot, YouTube is a great alternative. Of course, that Murph on YouTube may not be the same, but you'll get an idea of how they work. Yes. And you know what? I will share some pictures on our Facebook page of our Murph tour that we did this week. And um, we do have another tour uh, that we are scheduling for the future, which is going to be how electronic material is recycled. And so Oakley and I are super excited to go see this facility because it's a different type of process. It, it is indoors and most MRFs are outdoors or a combination of outdoor and indoor. And some of the largest companies, garbage haulers in the world, waste management, Republic services, they also own MRFs and landfills. So keep that in mind that they own both. Right, right. Fantastic. I hope everyone learned something today and let us know your questions. Any final thoughts, Sarah, or should we wrap up? I just think you should visit your, your local Murph. Heck yes. Get And get to know the people who work there. Yes. <laughs> All right. Bye, Sarah. Thank you. Happy Monday. Woohoo. Thanks for joining us today. Have any questions or comments for us? Have a question about what the hell to do with something? Join our community and our Facebook group, What the Hell Do I Do With This? Community. If you're a business that wants to save money and reduce trash, Smart Waste USA connects businesses and citizens to smarter waste solutions. Go to smartwasteusa.com. We'd like to thank our editor, Magden Geip, and Danny Finkelstein and Harley Stewart at Fight Night Records for our intro music. See you next time.